0: Good morning, everyone. It's time for us to begin. We have a lot of ground to cover in this 12th lesson of our study through the Israel of God. A very good lesson, um, but again, lots of ground to cover. So let's bow for a word of prayer, and then we will begin. Our Father in Heaven, do help us on this Lord's Day morning to uh, wake up, to focus our minds upon the teaching of Holy Scripture, to understand these important truths We pray that we would take them in and live according to them. God, we pray that on this Lord's Day you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, and that Christ would be glorified too, for we know that he is the only mediator between us and you, and we seek to glorify him, and we are grateful for him, O Lord. So be praised today, move us to praise, receive all the glory, in Christ's name, amen. Uh, this is another one of, the cha- uh, another one of these chapters in, in Robertson's book where I had a hard time really sticking to the chapter and outlining it in detail. There's just so much here. Uh, it's important, I think, for us to consider this whole chapter in, in one class, but there's a lot. And so I've done my best to uh, summarize the teaching that is present here. I would ask you to uh, read the chapter, if you're able, uh, here in Robertson's book, uh, to see the full argument. I have some introductory comments to make. Uh, They are some uh, reminders of things we've learned in this study uh, previously that will help us to uh, come finally to Romans chapter 11 and to consider this very important text. Uh, Throughout this study, it has been demonstrated that, one, God's intention from the beginning was to provide a Savior for the world who would be born from amongst the Jews. He would be the son of Abraham and David, and there are lots of scripture references uh, Place there in point one, uh, just to remind you of what I'm talking about. Uh, this Messiah, this Anointed One, the Christ. He he is he has come to remedy Adam's fall into sin and our fall in Adam. He is the Savior of the world, not of the Jews only. And so I am reminding you that this was God's plan from the very beginning. The New Testament identifies Jesus of Nazareth as this Savior or Messiah that God promised and has now provided. The New Testament teaches that not all Israel is saved. Here a reference, uh, excuse me. The New Testament teaches that not all Israel is Israel. Uh, This is a, a reference to Romans 9, 6. Not all Israel is Israel. So there in that one verse we see that. Uh, The word Israel can be used in two different senses and two different ways even in the same verse. Not all Israel is Israel. What is the meaning of this? Not all ethnic Israel is true Israel. Not all ethnic Israel is the Israel of faith. There is Israel according to the flesh and there is the Israel of faith. There was the true Israel under the Old Covenant. God preserved a remnant, a very important term and concept. Of true believers within ethnic Israel. See Romans 9.27. And this is true under the New Covenant too. Some Jews have believed that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, take for example Paul and the rest of the apostles. But many have rejected him. Those Jews who believed in the promises concerning the Messiah before he came. And those Jews who believed in Jesus the Messiah after he came. Are the true Israel of God. They are, they are this They are this remnant. Um, a remnant before Christ came and even afterwards. They are the elect Israel. They are the true Israel of God. Uh, This is clearly taught uh, throughout Scripture, especially here in Romans chapter 9. The Gentiles who believe in the Messiah before and after the birth of Christ are grafted into the true Israel of God. The new covenant is not like the old in that it is made not with an ethnic group of people, but with all who have faith in Jesus the Messiah, Jew and Gentile. See Jeremiah 31, 31 and following. Under the new covenant, no distinction is to be made between Jew and Gentile. Galatians three twenty-eight. And of course, the meaning here is that no distinction as it pertains to salvation and our union with Christ is, is to be made. There is a distinction between Jew and Gentile, just like there is a distinction between male and female. But in Christ, as it pertains to our salvation in Him and our standing before Him, we are one. Let me find my, space, my, my place again. And yet the new covenant is said to be made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Here I am uh, citing Jeremiah 31, 31 again, also Hebrews 8, 8, and 10. That is an important observation to make. This new covenant is said to be made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But here we have a reference to a purified Israel and Judah wherein all know the Lord. Under the new covenant, many Gentiles, and then I have a reference to the Great Commission of Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty, many Gentiles are grafted into Israel. See Romans nine, Romans eleven. And then Ephesians two fourteen through twenty-two is very important. I think we'll read that text in its entirety in just a moment. Point five, by way of review, Israel, uh, the true Israel of God, see Galatians six sixteen, is the church, therefore. The true Israel of God is the elect of God from every tongue, tribe, and nation who have believed in the promised Messiah, Jesus the Christ, from Adam's day to the return of Christ. So there is a true Israel, an Israel of faith. Um, Under the Old Covenant, uh, the true Israel of God was made up primarily of ethnic Jews, uh, the physical descendants of Abraham, though some Gentiles were joined to ethnic Israel in those days. But under the new covenant, there's a kind of reversal that has taken place. Um, There are many, many Gentiles who have been grafted into the true Israel of God um, in this era after Christ has come to accomplish our salvation. The end result, though, and I think this is the point that really needs to be made, the end result is that there is one people of God, There is one people of God, not not two. There is one family of God, not two. And this is how God has determined to accomplish our salvation. And I'll go ahead and get ahead of myself uh, really quickly and use this phrase. In this way, in this way, all Israel will be saved. In this way, uh, through God promising to provide a Savior for the world in setting apart the Jewish people for a period of time under the Old Covenant and working primarily amongst them for a time before the Messiah came, and then after the Messiah came, sending the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth and bringing in the elect in the, uh, through the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth. In this way, all Israel will be saved. How am I using the term Israel there? Not in reference to ethnic Israel, but as it pertains to uh, the true Israel of God, the Israel of faith, Jew and Gentile. Now, moving forward and trying to get into our study for today, despite this clear and consistent teaching concerning the mystery of God's plan of redemption, and here we do cite Ephesians 3.6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul talks about this mystery, a a, a thing that was kind of veiled in the past. It was there, but not so clear. But now it has become clear. What is the mystery? I want you to hear it again. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, uh, this is the mystery of God's plan of redemption. But there are many Bible-believing Christians who believe that God's plan is to return to a focus on ethnic Israel in the future. And I do hope that you can see that this idea runs against the grain of Scripture. Uh, I, I'm saying that the story is, it's, it's all heading in this direction, that Israel's Messiah is the Savior of the world. Everything's flowing. The river is going in this direction. But there are many Bible-believing Christians alive in the world today who who seek to dam up that stream and to send it off on another path. That is, to make it do a U-turn, as it were, (laughs) Uh, the river of God's uh, plan of redemption, to make it do a U-turn, as it were, to return to a focus upon ethnic Israel. You probably know this. There are many Christians who believe this, that in the future there will be a great change that takes place and everything will return to kind of an intense focus upon ethnic Israel. And there are many, there are actually, I don't know if many is the right word, there are actually quite a few within the Reformed tradition who still hold to this view. I don't understand why that is, but it is true nonetheless. And so we're going to kind of take up that question uh, today, should we expect there to be a future um, period of time or dispensation or epoch within human history where a focus will return to ethnic Israel? Some do point to Revelation 21 through 10 as evidence for this, but remember we looked at that last week, and I think Robertson does put down that argument uh, quite well in the previous chapter. If you interpret the book of Revelation as if it rolls out chronologically, then you can see how some would view Revelation 20 as speaking of something that will happen in the future. A future millennium awaits us, therefore. Uh, But if you realize the book of Revelation is cyclical, that it tells the story of um, this present age in in cycles, uh, then it's not hard to see that, in fact, Revelation 20 takes us back to the beginning to describe uh, the reign of Christ which began at his ascension to the Father's right hand where he was seated upon his heavenly throne. So we dealt with that last week, but others will point to Romans 11 and claim that it teaches a return to a focus on ethnic Israel at the end of time. Many will point to verses 25 through 26 which says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery Interesting, there's that word again. Uh, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins." As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Uh, there are many Christians who will point to this text and say, See, uh, in this way, all Israel will be saved. That must mean that at some point in the future, there's going to be a great revival from amongst the Jews to where all who are alive in the world in those days will be saved, or at least a great many of them, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. I hope you can see just by reading that text, just upon a first reading of this text, that the text nowhere says this. It's a theological idea that's read in uh, to this passage, but we will come to, to, um, to look at it more closely later in this outline. Robertson in his chapter, um, really he breaks this into two parts, Romans chapter 11 into two parts. And he he looks at the, the, the passage Uh, to to really ask the question, what is God doing with ethnic Israel presently? And so he points to evidence that Romans 11 deals with God's present intention for ethnic Israel. He wants us to back up from Romans 11 and to see that it has an awful lot to say about what God is doing amongst the ethnic Jews today, that is to say in between the time of Christ's first coming and his second coming. So let's look at a few of these verses Uh, Robertson takes a lot of time to explain each of these verses. I'm going to just very quickly show them to you and give uh, some brief comments. Romans 11.1 begins by saying, again, this is Paul, I ask then, has God rejected his people? Has God rejected his people? You you understand the question. If it's true that um, the Gentiles are going to be brought in, Uh, And reconciled to God through Jesus the Messiah. Has God rejected his people. That is to say ethnic Israel. And what is the answer that he gives. It's very important. By no means. God has not rejected his people. That is to say ethnic Israel. And then he goes on to explain. For I myself am an Israelite. A descendant of Abraham. A member of the tribe of Benjamin. So he points to himself as evidence that God has not entirely rejected the Jewish people i myself am an israelite a descendant of abraham of the tribe of benjamin in verse 5 he says so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace so paul is saying god has not rejected his people entirely it's not as if now all jews are shut out firmly and entirely from uh, fr- from god and from his covenant No, he himself is an ethnic Jew. And he goes on to explain that at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. This is the doctrine of election. So God has a remnant from amongst the Jews. He has his elect from amongst the Jews. Point C here. Let's go now to Romans eleven thirteen 13-14. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So, Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles. And he says during this, this present time, the gospel is to be preached to Gentiles and his hope is that by preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and by them coming to God through faith in Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, that some of the Jews who have not believed would be provoked to jealousy as, he sees the, as they see the blessings of God poured out upon uh, the, the Gentile peoples, the nations of the earth. But again, the text is very clear. Paul's hope is that some of them will be saved. Uh, and who are the some of them? Well, they must be the remnant that he had referred to earlier. They must be those ethnic Jews who are chosen by grace, those who are elected. Look at verses 30 through 31 now. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so too, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. So what is Paul doing? He, he's, he's speaking of the time of the old covenant. And he, and he reminds the Gentiles that there was a time where the nations were walked in darkness. They were bound in darkness. They were bound in disobedience. And yet God was doing something special amongst the ethnic Jews. But he says, now that has changed Uh, Now the Jews largely have rejected their Messiah, but God is blessing the Gentiles in mass. But it is for the purpose of also drawing Jews to faith in Jesus the Messiah through provoking them to jealousy, to use Paul's language. Uh, So everything that Paul says in these verses that we have um, just considered really fits everything else we have been talking about in this study. Uh, That Jesus is the Messiah of the world. And that under the old covenant, things were confined to ethnic Israel. Under the new, the gospel of the kingdom is to explode and, and break forth and go uh, to the ends of the earth. Let me read Robertson here. The argument of Romans 9 through 11 is essentially no different from the argument of Romans 1 through 3. And, and I say the rest of scripture. Uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. For the Jew, uh, first for the Jew and also for the Gentile. The references in Romans 11 to God's present intention for Israel are pervasive and are highly significant for the thrust of the chapter. These references do not necessarily exclude parallel references to some future purpose of God for Israel. However, they warn the exegete against assuming too hastily that the entirety of Romans 11 deals with Israel's distinctive future. So, do you see what Robertson has done here? He's saying, listen, there's still a possibility that something else is said in Romans chapter 11 that clearly reveals that God is going to return to a focus on ethnic Israel in the future. There is that possibility. We should not close ourselves off to that possibility. And and I will say, if the Scriptures clearly teach that in the future there will be a great revival amongst the Jewish people and that a focus will return to ethnic Israel, we must believe it, even if the only place that is stated is Romans 11. But we must ask the question, do do the Scriptures say this? And here in the first portion of the chapter, what Robertson is doing is just showing us that Romans 11 is not teaching anything different than what has already been taught in the book of Romans and what is taught in the rest of Scripture as it pertains to God's purpose for Israel presently. Thirdly, uh, the third point in our outline, uh, we look for possible references in Romans 11 to God's intention to deal distinctively with ethnic Israel in the future. Does the text teach this? Let's look closely at it to see. First of all, Romans 11, 1 through 2, let's look at this verse again. I ask then, has God rejected His people? By no means, for I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected His people, whom He foreknew. So... The question is, do the words, God has not rejected His people, indicate that a focus will return to ethnic Israel in the future? Uh, some will take the words in that way. God, see, God has not rejected His people, therefore, it must be that a focus will return to them in the future. The text says no such thing. That is a theological idea forced into this text. No, in fact, these verses, as we have already said, teach the doctrine of election. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. That is predestination language. That is election language. There are elect Jews. There always have been. There always will be. Paul was an elect Jew. He has faith in Jesus. So you can see that the text does not teach a return to a focus on ethnic Israel. That idea is crammed into the text. By the way... I have often referred to, to dispensationalism, that whole system, or pre tribulational, premillennialism, as a theology of the gaps. I don't think that is un, uh, original to me. I probably picked it up somewhere. I'm not sure where. Um, but it is. You, if, if you ever step back from the, the dispensational, pre tribulational, premillennial system to analyze it, you'll see that what they do is. Um, they, they read this system into the gaps of, of Scripture. Uh, you know, where does it teach that there's going to be um, a separation between the coming of Christ and the, the beginning of, of a millennium by seven years or something like that? It's, like it's never taught. It's just kind of read into the spaces of Scripture. And you can see that same sort of thing going on as it pertains to the question of, the f- of God's focus on Israel in the future. It, it just, it's not said, but it's read in to the text of, of Scripture. Point two here, Romans eleven twelve 12, and 15. Now, Paul says, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their, their acceptance mean but life from the dead? You could see how some would look at this verse. And say, see, um, there's going to be a, a full inclusion. Uh, therefore, that means that there's going to be a mass conversion amongst the Jews at the end of time. Or a return to a focus upon ethnic Israel. Again, I say no. Uh, this is referring to the full inclusion of the remnant, the elect. It's a call to Jews to repent from their sins and to trust in Jesus as the Messiah. Um, the Jews as a whole have rejected the Messiah. Um, But it is possible for individual Jews to turn from their sins and to be accepted by the Lord and to be uh, grafted in again to use the language of of the broken off branches of the olive tree. I have a note here to read 173 through 175, a very long quote. I couldn't figure out a better way to get through all this material with you than to um, very generally overview the chapter and then to pick important sections to read straight out of the book. 173 of Robertson's book. He's explaining the two verses that we have just read. Romans 11:12 and 15. Quoting now Robertson. Clearly the apostle is destri- describing a temporal sequence in these verses. The Jewish people reject their Messiah, then the Gentiles believe and the Jews are provoked by jealousy and return in faith. Then the world receives even richer blessing as a consequence of this return of the Jews. One interpretation of these contrasting experiences of Israel assumes that their rejection coincides with the present gospel age while their acceptance will occur subsequently either at the very end of the present era or after the present age of gospel proclamation has ended. You you see he's saying there's one interpretation that um, interprets the, the temporal sequence by saying well right now that the Jews are rejected but they will be accepted in mass at the end of time and it's probably the view that you're most familiar with. Um, I was kind of raised under, under this assumption as were many of you. Quoting Robertson again, however this temporal sequence may be viewed from another perspective. The whole cycle could be considered as having fulfillment in the present era of gospel proclamation. In context Paul compares the experience of Israel to the experience of the Gentiles. According to verse 30, Gentiles once were d- disobedient, but now have received mercy. In the same manner, Israel is now, is now found disobedient that they may also now receive mercy. For both Gentiles and Jews, the full cycle of movement from a state of disobedience to a state of mercy occurs in the present age. It occurs now. From this perspective, the acceptance of Israel would refer to the ingrafting of believing Jews through the present era throughout the present era which would reach its consummation when their fullness would be realized the parallel experience of the gentile world offers no support to the idea that Israel's period of rejection coincides with the present gospel age while their acceptance is reserved for a subsequent era crucial to the understanding of these verses is Paul's statement that by his current apostolic ministry to the gentiles he hopes to save some of the Jews this saving of some ought not to be regarded as the deliverance of a pitifully few Jews, hardly worthy to be compared with the fullness to be saved at the end of time. Quite to the contrary, this saving of some is integrally, in, integrally related to one of the major themes of Romans 11. As Paul says, there remains at the present time a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse 5, it is not that the sum whom the apostle personally hopes to save are the remnant, that he discusses throughout the passage, but the saving of some and the maintaining of a remnant are interrelated ideas. Paul's hope that some would be saved through his ministry is based on the principle that a remnant would remain throughout the ages. A remnant is too readily assumed to be small and insignificant, but the use of the word remnant does not by itself determine the proportion of the whole to be saved. It speaks instead of the sovereign intervention of God to the effect of God to affect the salvation of men despite the expectation, humanly speaking, that all might perish. It is therefore quite appropriate to interpret the fullness and the acceptance of Israel from the perspective of God's current saving activity. The Apostle's argument builds on the principle that has been true throughout redemptive history. Although outwardly it may appear as though God has cast off the Jews, He nonetheless is working sovereignly to save some of them, The full number in Israel will be realized by the same process in which Jews are currently being received and added to the number. For the remnant according to the election of grace encompasses the same individuals as the fullness, i.e. full number of Israel. The eye of man cannot tell how large this number is, but the eye of faith is confident that the full number is being realized. For this reason it is neither necessary nor appropriate to posit some future date at which the remnant will be superseded by the full number. The, com- the, the completed remnant of Israel is precisely the fullness of Israel. I didn't know a better way to put that before you than just to read it to you. I hope you were able to pick up on it. But, you know, one, one question I might ask is, and, and this might help to, to clarify, under the old covenant, God did work uh, in a special way amongst the, the ethnic Jews, Right? There were elect Jews under the Old Covenant, and there were non-elect Jews. There was a true Israel and an Israel according to the flesh. Were any Gentiles saved under that Old Covenant era? Yes. So, there were elect Gentiles in the world who joined themselves to Israel so as to worship Israel's God. These had faith in the promised Messiah. They were relatively few in number compared to what God was doing amongst the ethnic Jews under the Old Covenant. And I think the idea here is that under the New Covenant, the same thing is going on, but just in reverse. In reverse. And you see it in the pages of the New Testament. The Gentiles just seem way more interested in receiving Jesus as the Messiah than the Jews were early on. And you see it throughout church history, too. Indeed, the gospel of the kingdom has gone to the ends of the earth, and the vast majority who have received Jesus Messiah have been Gentiles under this new covenant era. But does that mean that there are no Jews who will be saved under this new covenant era? No, that's Paul's point in Romans chapter 11. That is, I think, his main point. That there's always going to be a remnant. There's going to be elect Jews. They are going to be brought to salvation. Though many of them have rejected Jesus as Messiah and therefore have been rejected by God, there are going to be some, the elect of God, who will be accepted by God through faith in in the Messiah. I think that is the idea uh, that it permeates uh, Romans. Chapter Eleven. Now let's read a larger portion of Romans Eleven together. Romans Eleven Seventeen through Twenty Four. But if some of the branches, Paul says, were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. So he's writing to Gentiles primarily in in the book of Romans, and he's saying, Look what what happened. Uh, the natural branches, many of them, have been broken off. I think this is speaking of um, kind of the purification of the covenant, really, um, according to Jeremiah 31 in fulfillment of it, right? Some of these natural branches were broken off of the the olive tree, a symbol of Israel. And you, uh, wild branches, have been grafted in. But he warns the Gentiles not to be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. And you will say, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. That's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will He spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who have fallen, but kindness towards you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even then, And even they, if they do not continue in, their unbelief will be grafted in for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Again, some will look at this text and say, see, there's going to be a future return to focus upon ethnic Israel and we, I think, I would say, the text does not say so. In fact, it it, but what it does teach is what has been taught all along in Romans 11 that during this age, during this era there will be Jews who come to faith. They are the elect of God. They are the remnant. And though the people in general has been broken off um, because of their unbelief it's possible for these branches who repent and turn to faith in the Messiah to be grafted back into the true Israel of God. They. They are natural branches according to the flesh and it's possible for them to be grafted back into the true Israel of God uh, by faith. It's an illustration that Paul is using here. And of course, like all illustrations, you, you cannot press them too far and make them about some other theological topic, namely the doctrine of the preservation of the saints or something like that. But Paul is... Paul is using this illustration of an olive tree and branches being broken off and grafted in in order to help us understand God's activity amongst the Jews and Gentiles throughout history, Old Covenant, and New. I think I'll skip reading Robertson's explanation on pages 175 through 176. You can do that on your own time. I think what we have said about this text is sufficient for now. Let's look at Romans eleven twenty five through 26 which is kind of the um, the most important uh, passage in Romans 11 as it pertains to our question. Paul writing primarily to Gentiles in his epistle to the Romans, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way... All Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, etc. Three important observations. The hardening that has come upon the Jews is said to be partial. So that fits with everything else that um, Paul has said. There's going to be a remnant. There are elect Jews. Not all Jews will be lost. Paul himself is a Jew and he is an example of one who, who believes. So it is partial. Two, the hardening has happened. The hardening that is mentioned here has happened until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Here's Paul again. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, it is assumed by those who have this view that there will be a return to focus on ethnic Israel in the future. It is assumed that the word until indicates that afterward there will be a return to a focus on ethnic Israel. In fact, I hope you can see that the word does not convey this meaning at all. But this idea, again, is read into the text. The word until does not tell us anything at all about what will happen afterwards. It simply tells us that this will be the state of things until a certain point. And what will be the point? Well, it is until the full number of the Gentiles is brought in. Also, we might say the full number of the Jews, the the elect Jews. So the, the, the word until does not tell us anything about what will happen after this period of time that is here being considered it's terminative it just brings us up to some point this will be the 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 way things go until the full number of the gentiles and the elect Jews are, are brought in the word until does not answer the question what will happen next the word until is terminative it refers to the point at which something ends or finishes and Robertson spends quite a bit of time in his chapter um, demonstrating this by doing a word study on this Greek word behind the English word "until," and he shows that it's it's always terminative, it, it, or often at least terminative. It takes us up to to a certain point in time, but does not necessarily tell us about what follows. You, you understand this. What, some might read this and say, okay, well, after the until, the point that until points to, um, there will be a millennium, a return to a focus on Jews. But it's just as possible that after the until, what happens? Consummation. Consummation. <laughs> the text doesn't say. Again, a theological system is being read into this text. It's, it's a theology of the gaps into the, into the space right after the word until, a whole system of theology is inserted. But the text doesn't speak to what will happen after this point in time. The rest of the scriptures do. And they tell us that after this there will be new heavens and new earth, judgment, consummation. That is the clear teaching of scripture and it is found elsewhere. I hope this is clear. I hope you're getting this. So a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And what will happen after that? Christ will return to judge and to make all things new according to the Bible. Then there is this interesting phrase, in this way all Israel will be saved. Again, many look at this phrase here and say, ah, there must be a return to a focus upon ethnic Israel in the future because all Israel must be saved in some way, shape, or form. Robertson is very helpful here in that he gives five possible interpretations of this verse. Who is all Israel? That is the question. And he gives five possible interpretations. Uh, Paul could mean that at the end of the day, all ethnic descendants of Abraham will be saved. Maybe that is what is meant by all Israel. Should we accept that view? Of course not, because... No one has ever been saved because they were a child of Abraham. People have only been saved because they have faith in the promised Messiah. I don't know how many people hold to that view. It's very, very unbiblical. It's heretical. It must be rejected. Maybe it means this, too. All ethnic descendants of Abraham living when God initiates a special working among the Jewish people. So maybe... Uh, This verse is referring to some time in our future, maybe during a millennium, and during that time, every single Jew will be saved, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. Um, Here we might say, well, it's certainly possible, but there's no evidence for this whatsoever in the rest of Holy Scripture. In fact, what Paul has been emphasizing throughout Romans chapter 11 is that there will be a remnant, A partial hardening has come. Some will be saved. These are those who have been chosen by God and foreknown by Him. That's all the scriptures have told us. So if all Israel means all ethnic descendants of Abraham living at some time in the future, it's really out of of the blue. This concept is very much out of the blue and it runs counter to the whole stream (laughs) Of, of of what Scripture reveals concerning God's saving activities. And Robertson takes some time to really dismiss this view in, in his book. Three, all Israel could refer to the mass or at least the majority of Jews living at the time of a special, act, special saving activity of God. So maybe not every single one of them at this special time in the future, but most or many. And I do find it a little bit ironic because a lot of our non-Calvinistic dispensational friends do love to emphasize that all always means all. (laughs) Um, Well, it doesn't. Uh, The context dictates what all means. But in this context, it's very difficult to interpret all to mean many or most or a mass. Uh, It seems to refer to all Israel being saved in in a very true and real sense. Point four, the fourth view that could be held about the question what does all Israel mean is that all Israel could refer to all elect Israelites within the community of Israel. And Robertson does say that this is a possible interpretation of this text. Maybe Paul is here saying that in this way, Um, through the process of there being this partial hardening that has come upon Israel, and yet some of them being saved because they're provoked to jealousy by the Gentiles who are being grafted in, it's possible that all Israel refers to all of the elect within ethnic Israel. In this way, every single one of the elect of God who are Jews according to the flesh will be saved. That's that's a... Possibly a a good interpretation of this text. It fits with the context. It fits with what the rest of the scriptures say about what God is doing in the world uh, presently uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. The fifth possible interpretation is that the phrase all Israel refers to both Jews and Gentiles who together constitute the church of Christ the Israel of God. And I think this is, this is the right interpretation. If, you, if you're following along with Paul and, and, and his reasoning in Romans, and if you're following along with the way that he uses the terminology, the Israel of God and the rest of Scripture, this is exactly what he's doing. He, he's taking the word Israel and he's applying it to all of the elect. Uh, remember, he's just told us about one olive tree with branches broken off and others grafted in one people of God. It's the Israel of God. And not long before this in Romans chapter 9 he has told us that not all Israel is Israel. So there in that verse in that one verse the word Israel is used in two different ways. One to refer to ethnic Israel and then right after that to refer to the true Israel of God. So those who would say well you cannot just take the word Israel and make it mean what you want it to mean. They're not reading Paul very carefully because he uses that word to refer to the Israel of the flesh in contrast to the Israel of faith. He does it in Romans 9. He does it at the very end of the book of of, of Galatians. We've learned all about this um, throughout our study. There's one people of God, uh, brothers and sisters, not two. And I think Paul wants us to see that, that in this way, all Israel will be saved. The true Israel of God will be saved in this way. In what way? What is he referring to? And I'll be quiet for just a moment to let you speak. In what way? In this way, all Israel will be saved. Faith through faith in Jesus Christ. And through, through this process. Did somebody? <laughs> yes, so many Jews will be saved because they're provoked to jealousy, even in this era. But I think what we're to, what we're to see is that the in this way refers to the whole sweep of redemptive history. In this way, that is to say, through this period of time where an intense focus was upon ethnic Israel, and now through this period of time where the gospel goes to the nations and, and many are hardened, but there is a remnant. In this way, God's plan of salvation has been accomplished. In this way, the Israel of God is going to be saved. Every elect person is going to be brought in, in into salvation through faith in, in the promised Messiah. Scott, Yes. So, in this way, it has to be all Israel, it has to be everybody. It has to be everybody. And I agree. Um, Yes, he begins to quote the Old Testament. So, it is looking forward. I say it is also looking back in the sense of, like, look, this was prophesied long ago. Look, the, the deliverer has come to Zion to accomplish our redemption. So that's what I mean when I say it's it's looking backwards and forwards, the whole sweep of the accomplishment of redemption from promise to fulfillment and to the future consummation. In this way, this is God's plan of redemption. This is the mystery that we now see clearly, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and that they are made one with, with, with ethnic Israel. It was revealed dimly in the past. It's been made clear now it's abundantly clear today, and it will be completely clear at the end of time when Christ returns. Yes, it, it's wonderful. I mean, you, I, I get excited about this stuff because this, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. I mean, this is how we explain our existence today as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Gentile Christians, as far as I know, all of us, Gentile Christians. Uh, it's really marvelous. And, and I, get, I get animated about it because I think that this. Certainly, this dispensational premillennial stuff, it's dangerous. It's dangerous theology. It really is. Um, If you'd like to talk to me more about why I think it's dangerous, we can do that, I I guess, at some other time. But I I think it's dangerous theology. You know, there there are a lot of Christian Zionists in the world today, and I think there are some real dangers associated with Christian Zionism that we should be aware of. Um, Some political views come out of that that are not good. They're not about justice, and they're not about peace. They're about prejudice and war, oftentimes. We need to think about these things. We need to get this doctrine right. Uh, There's some dangers here uh, that we we need to be aware of. Um, But my goodness, uh, God's plan of salvation is great. We should be thankful to, to, to our God for the fact that we are saved in Christ Jesus because of what He has done. In this way all Israel will be saved. And, 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 and as it pertains to the ethnic Jews, we should love them. We should pray for them. And we should not teach them that they are set apart as distinct because of their ethnicity. We should teach them that they need to turn from their sins and trust in Jesus the Messiah. We should not point them back in any way, shape, or form to those old covenant ways. We need to tell them that the new covenant has come. And if they wish to be saved, they need to be grafted back into that olive tree. That is to say, the true Israel of God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, help us Help us to know these things, to understand these truths, to believe them, and to live according to them. Lord, do make us faithful to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jew and Gentile alike. We know, Lord, that uh, the gospel was at first preached to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And so, Lord, let us not fail to proclaim the gospel to everyone who will hear it. Lord, and we do pray that you would have mercy upon all nations and that you would have mercy upon the Jews to bring many to faith in Jesus the Messiah and thus inherit eternal life. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.